Welcome to a special post-Easter edition of the Untold Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. This is a bonus episode featuring a first-person sermon I preached recently at the Orchard Church in Traverse City, Michigan. This is a story from the Old Testament, Genesis 22. But stick around until the end of the show, and I think you'll see how it's really an Easter story, or perhaps an archetype of the Easter story, if you will. If you want some really great insights to this sermon and what I was thinking as I preached as if I were Abraham, head over to my personal website, NathanJamesNorman.com. The show notes will have the direct links. If you like what you hear, you can check out my weekly sermons via podcast over at OrchardChurch.net. Also, please remember to check out Christian Geek Central at ChristianGeekCentral.com. So without further ado, Yahweh Yaigra by Nathan James Norman. Sometimes I don't understand God at all. And now I stand here before all of you, all of these years later, all of these millennia later, and not much has changed. Sometimes God just doesn't make any sense. My name is Abraham, and many, many, many years ago, Yahweh Elohim, the one true God, called to me when I was living in my homeland of Ur in Babylon. And He called to me and He gave me promises. Promises of land. Promises of blessings. Promises of offspring more numerous than the stars in the sky. And I believed Him, so I followed Him. The road to those blessings was hard. The road to those blessings was a long road. Infertility, pagan kings, my own cowardice, my own adultery, my own sin often got in the way of those blessings. But God was faithful. But God was so faithful. He was more faithful than I ever was to Him, and so I followed Him. I obeyed Him. I trusted Him. Imperfectly. But I trusted Him. And then, one day, after following Him for so many years, finally, Yahweh blessed Sarah, my wife, and I with a little boy. He gave us this miracle child. After so many years of infertility, He gave us this miracle child when I was a hundred years old. And in our old age, He gave us a little boy named Laughter, named Isaac. And he was my little child. I loved him. I loved my son. I called him my my little lamb. He was beautiful. God was good. Not only that, but God told us that through me and through Isaac and through all of his offspring, all of the world and all the people and all the generations would be blessed through him. Sarah and I believed and we followed and we trusted And Isaac was a smart kid. Oh my goodness, he was a smart kid. He could say almost any word before he was two years old. Two years old. He could say almost anything. 
And as he got older, he began to mimic animals so well, he would confuse the sheep on the pastures. And sometimes even the shepherds themselves. (laughs) One day when Isaac was about eight years old, I was in my tent alone, by myself. And the voice of Yahweh came to me. The voice of God spoke to me. I had heard him speak to me before. I, I recognized it. It was unmistakable. The voice of God was, was audible and yet silent. It was violent and fierce and yet calm and peaceful. It was justice and it was love. It was the voice of Yahweh God. And he spoke to me in the tent and he said, Abraham, here I am. I was so excited to see what God was about to do, but I was also scared. But then, God spoke. He spoke. Take your son, your only son, He said. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And bring him to the land of Moriah, and make an offering him of him there. On the mountain I will show you. Make him a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. And then God was gone. He was silent. And I was horrified. Why would God command this? Why would God command this? What good could come out of this? What good could possibly come out of this? Back when I lived in Ur, I had seen my friends and my neighbors and even my own family sacrifice their children to the bloodthirsty false gods. But when Yahweh called to me, He was different. He was so much greater. He was everything. He was loving. He was peaceful. He was beyond them. Now, God called me to do this. It didn't make any sense. I didn't understand. Why obey God? Why trust God with the impossible? Because this was impossible. I had failed God before with my cowardice, with my adultery, with my lies, with my sin. And I could not obey this. I wouldn't obey this. He's my son. But He is God and I am not. He is more than Lord, more than Master, more than Maker, more than Creator, more than Owner. He is everything. Anything He wants to do will be done in the face of Him who can stand. It had taken me my whole life to learn that. And I had no choice but to obey. 
but to trust. I didn't sleep that night. I didn't sleep that night at all. And I left my tent early in the morning before the sun had risen. Moria. That was in the region of Salem, which you know as Jerusalem today. That was in the region of King Melchizedek. It was 40 miles north of here in Beersheba. A three-day journey. Three days of horror. Three days for this old body to just... As I stood outside the tent in the cold morning, Isaac burst out, bursted out of the tent full of energy, full of excitement. He was always an early riser. And he came to me and he said, Father, Abba, Abba, what are you doing up so early? Is it your back again? Is your back acting up again? Is it? And I smiled at him and I said, no. No, my little lamb. God has told me to take you and we're to travel to the land of Moria and make a sacrifice, a burnt offering to him. And he got all excited and he said, wow, Moria, wow, how far is that? Where is that? How far is it? How long of a journey will it be? And I told him, three days. And then he ran past me. It was still dark out. He ran past me towards the stables. And he says, I'm going to go get the, I'm going to go get the saddle for the donkey. Sarah joined me sometime later, and, and I told my wife exactly what I told Isaac. But she could tell that I was holding something back. When you've been married as long as we have been, they can always see it on your face. They always know something's wrong. But I wouldn't say anything to her, and I sent her away. I sent her to go find two young men to accompany us on our journey. Because what could I say to her? How could she trust God in this? How can you trust God in this? It's impossible. It is impossible. So with myself, Isaac, and our donkey loaded with supplies, and the two young men, Joel and Micah, we set out on our journey from Beersheba. Sarah, as we left, held on to me and, and, and embraced me and tried to hold on, but I pushed her away. As we were leaving our settlement area of Beersheba, I stopped and I said to them, I said, we, we need to bring firewood for the burnt offering. We, we should bring firewood for the burnt offering. And Micah spoke up and he said, why should we do that? There'll be plenty of firewood there. Why should we carry it? for three days. But I insisted. Micah and Joel wanted to carry the, the firewood. They wanted to chop the firewood up themselves, but even in my old age, I could still chop wood. And so with the axe, I chopped twigs and branches and logs for over an hour. I cut too much but we weighed down the donkey with it. And then we set out on our journey. For three days we traveled. We walked for three days. Mostly in silence. 
Except for when Isaac would have a burst of energy and then just start bleeding like a sheep in, in the middle of the forest. Or to the sheep on the hillside. And he started making all sorts of animal noises. Or when he would see a stick on the side of the pathway. And he'd pick it up and he'd want to try and sword fight with Joel or Micah. Or use it for a spear. Whatever he could use it for. Or sometimes he would just start humming. It's time to be quiet now, son. And he would start humming. A song that his mother had taught him. And sometimes we would just be walking and he would burst out in laughter for no reason. He was always laughing. He was always laughing. Every time we stopped, every time we took a break, every time we set up camp for the night, I just wanted to turn around and go home. Why did God make this trip so long? Why couldn't I just get it over and done with right now? Why trust God with the impossible? Why trust God with the impossible? Had God called me out of Ur only only to do this to me? Had He made all those promises and given me all those blessings for this? Yahweh had become my enemy. And worse, he'd become the enemy of my son. On the third day of travel, as the sun was setting, as darkness was covering the land, we entered into the region of Moria. And just like I knew Sarah, was going to be my wife the moment I laid eyes on her. The moment I saw the mountain in the distance, I knew that was where God wanted me to sacrifice my son. As Joel and Micah began setting up our camp, I, I had them make a, a torch and to take a bundle of wood together for our journey. And then I told them, the boy and I will go there to worship and then we will return to you. And I could tell Micah and Joel thought this was strange. I had made burnt offerings with them numerous times before and so they thought it was weird that they weren't coming with me, but they obeyed. Worse, Worse yet, they believed me when I said we would come back to you. I had spent my entire life lying to protect myself. And now I lied because the truth was too terrible to speak out loud. When darkness had completely covered the land, I took the bundle of wood and I had Isaac carry it. And, and it was so big, he could barely see above it. And I took the torch and the rope and the knife. 
and we began walking up the mountain trail. We walked in silence. We, we walked in so much silence. and I think Isaac, as young as he was, understood the depth of Yahweh's holiness. And so we were very quiet. And at one point while we were walking, I, I dropped behind him. And even though the light from my torch still illuminated the path in front of him, he got scared. And he cried out, and, and he, he cried out trying to peek his head over the pile of wood and, and look back, Father, Father, where are you? Here I am, my son. I was still there. And then he said, Father, the wood and the fire are here for the burnt offering. But where is the lamb? You are the lamb. I thought to myself, you are the lamb. Is this why God had called me out of Ur? Is this why He had made promises? Promises about my own son. Had He called me? Had He raised me up? Had He delivered me from my enemies only to destroy me here? Why trust God with the impossible? This was my son. Maybe... Maybe God could bring him back to life. Maybe God could raise him from the dead. He could do that. He's God. He could do anything. And so I finally answered his, his question, and, and, and out of desperation, out of deception, and maybe a little bit out of faith, I, I, I said to him, God himself will provide the lamb for the offering, my son. And then we walked and finally we came to a clearing. We came to a hill and there were little small rocks of white stone coming out of the ground in various places. There was a small growth of trees surrounding the area and, and thistles and thickets and shrubs. And I knew this is where God was calling me to make the sacrifice. So I took stones and began making an altar and I took the wood from Isaac and continued to make an altar, a sturdy altar. I told Isaac to go find more wood. And I took the rope out. And when his back was turned, I stood over him. I've done this countless times to animals. And I reached down in one hand and I grabbed his wrist and I tied his wrist up and in one practice moved, I knocked him to his back and tied his legs. He screamed at first. He cried out. But as soon as he saw it was me, he laughed. 
thought I was playing with him. He thought I was playing with him. But then when I picked him up and I started carrying him toward the altar, he started screaming, Abba, Abba, Father, Father, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he was crying and he was screaming and I just held him on the altar. I just held him there. I just held him there for so long. I held him there for so long. He stopped crying. And he looked at me. And I looked at him. And I held his little head. I held the head of my son, Isaac, in one hand. And then I pulled out the sacrificial knife to cut my son's artery. My little lamb. And I brought the knife to his throat. But then, but then, a light shone from heaven, and the angel of Yahweh appeared. And he wore a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. And his hair was white as wool. It was white as snow. And he spoke. When he spoke, it was like cascading waters. His eyes were on fire. And his face shone like the midday sun. And the angel of Yahweh said, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am. And I looked away. And the angel said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld anything from me, not even your own son. I looked up and through the light in the distance, I could see a ram caught in the thicket. I fell on top of Isaac like a dead man. Like a man brought back to life. Isaac had seen the angel too. Isaac had seen the angel of Yahweh too. And we trembled as I cut through the the rope. And I trembled and he trembled as we shook in the terrifying beauty and awe of the angel of Yahweh. Because we had seen His holiness and His grace. We embraced each other. But not for too long. But not for too long. I went over to the thicket. And even though it cut through my clothes and my flesh, it didn't stop me or slow me down. I went and with the same knotted rope that had bound my son, I tied up the ram and I hefted him out of the thicket and I carried him with trembling hands to the altar.
before I sacrificed the ram. I looked at it. And then my son who stood beside me. That ram died in the place of my son. That ram died in the place of my little lamb. That ram died in the place of me. That ram died in the place of Isaac's children and his children's children and all who would follow. As we sat while the burnt offering burnt, Isaac was on my lap. And I told him, we will call this place Yahweh Yaira. The Lord will provide. Because he provided a substitute. He provided a substitute for you and for me. When the fire died down to only embers, the angel of Yahweh appeared again. And he said, By myself I swear this, so declares Yahweh. Because you have not withheld your only Son, I will indeed bless you. And you and your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beaches. And I will give your offspring the gates of their enemies. This was the promise that God had always told me with the addition of giving my offspring yet the gates of my enemies. Surely, God is good. Isaac and I went down the mountain. We woke up Joel and Micah and we went home immediately. Even in the dark. During those three days as we walked home, I knew that Isaac had been traumatized but also reassured. But he had seen the angel of Yahweh. He had seen the angel of the Lord. Nothing would ever be the same for him. He grew up a lot that day. But during those three days as we journeyed home, I told him over and over and over again what I had just learned. And I told Isaac, you should trust God when life is impossible because he provided a ram. The same is true for you. Why should you trust God when life is impossible? Why should you trust God when life doesn't make any sense? Why should you trust God when your family deserts you, when your friends leave you, when your health gives out, when your finances are through? Why should you trust God with your life? Why should you trust God with your children's life? You should trust God because He's provided a ram. God will provide. He will always provide. You can trust Him. God provided a ram for me. He will provide a lamb for you. 
Why should you trust God when life is impossible? Because he provided a ram. Because he provided Jesus Christ. God the Father spared Abraham's son. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He died in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. But he didn't stay dead. We celebrate that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and because he lives, so many of us have been given a new life in him too. If you are listening and you don't know Jesus, give your life to him. Believe that he died for you and rose again. Make him your Lord, your master, your God, and then he will become your ram. You can trust him with everything, your soul, your life.